0: So uh, today is Easter, and a much better term for it is Resurrection Sunday, for that's what we're celebrating today. Now, can I take uh, uh, just a moment and tell you what that means to me personally? I know my Savior is alive, and at the end of all things, He will come to this very earth, and even if I've died and my body has rotted in the grave. I will be raised from the dead and I will see God face to face. I believe that with all of my heart. But certainly it's not just me who believes that. That is the wonderful hope of every Christian. It's what gives focus and meaning to our lives. It's what sustains us in the difficult times of life. And it's what we stake our lives on and what many have given their lives for down through the centuries and even in our own day. For although I have told you this often enough, it is still remains true and it is a little reported fact that more Christians have died for their faith in the 20th century, the century we just ended, the century where most of us here have spent most of our lives More people in that century than in the previous 19 centuries combined have died for their faith. And martyrdom continues around the world today. And the 21st century is on track to beat the record. And yet, in spite of the danger, the rejection, the misunderstanding that we may be subject to, it is still the great confession of our faith. We have held it. From the beginning of the days of the apostles, we have proclaimed it down through the centuries, and we confess it in our day. We know that our Savior is alive, and at the end of all things, He will come to this very earth, and even if we've died, and even if our bodies have rotted in the grave, we will be raised from the dead, and we will see God face to face. What a wonderful hope. And what a great confession. But the first time those words were spoken, it was not by someone in the New Testament era, that is, since Jesus uh, lived and died and was raised again from the dead. Rather, the first time those words were spoken was by someone in the Old Testament, someone before the time when Jesus came. The man who said them could not have summarized our faith any better call it prophecy, if you will, but it is what he believed, just as I do, and just as millions of other Christians do. The first time those words were spoken was by Job in the Old Testament, and they recorded us for us there in the Old Testament in the book that bears his name. So I want you to join me, if you would, if you have your Bibles in the book of Job, or you can follow along on the screen on either side. Job chapter 19, Well, we'll be looking at verses 25 through 27. Now, you know, it it really is amazing that such a clear statement of the Christian faith is found in the Old Testament. And it's even more amazing because Job is the oldest book in our Bible. It's not the book that deals with the oldest things. That would be Genesis, of course, written by Moses. But Moses almost certainly knew this text, and those who have made a study of such things tell us that Job is the oldest book in the Bible because it deals with a time before the nation of Israel existed as a nation. And almost certainly even before Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel lived and died. There's no mention of the priesthood in the writings so Job himself is the one who sacrifices to God. And that's a thing that necessarily ended when God established priesthood. And the language of the book of Job is the oldest in the Bible. And yet, for all of its antiquity, we don't don't know how many thousands of years before Jesus was born that Job lived and wrote and died. But Job clearly summarizes what Christians believe. So let's look at what he says. And as we do, we're going to discover that Job knew five things about the Savior that Christians down through the ages have known. And we begin by reading the passage. Jesus writes this, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. I just have to give you a note of explanation here. That word, Redeemer, is uh, kind of an old-fashioned word, uh, one that might not have as much meaning to many people in our days as it had for people in the past. So so for now, what I want to do is we're, we're just going to substitute the word Savior because it really does capture most of what the word Redeemer meant. In our day, we can understand that word Redeemer better if we... If we realize that a Savior is one who saves, but but we get the idea of a Redeemer when we take that word, what you think of when you hear that word Savior, and add to it the idea of paying a price. You see, the Redeemer is someone who saves by paying a price. Now, having said that, we can go on and we can say that Job knew five things about the Savior. And the first thing that Job knew is that the Savior is eternal. The first part of verse 25 introduces that thought, and the understanding is reinforced in the rest of the passage. So let me read that again. I know that my Redeemer lives. The Savior is eternal. And you can almost miss that if you read it really hastily. See, that very statement... The Savior lives. That very word indicates an ongoing state, a state of being. He lives. He was already living in Job's day, and that same Savior is alive at the end of all things. He spans lifetimes and centuries and ages. Job tells us he was alive in his day, and we know that he took on the form of a man when he was born in that stable over 2,000 years ago. And together with Job, we confess that he is alive today and that he will be there at the end and throughout all eternity. Now, this, of course, is no mere man. No man of his own accord can live on forever and ever as his Savior does. You see, Job wasn't looking for merely any human help. He wasn't looking for the cavalry to come riding over the hill. He was looking for the Savior who was eternal. And that's the first thing that Job knew. He knew that the Savior is eternal, and Job was looking for him. So how about you? Are, are you looking for him? I can tell you that he is calling you, calling you to turn around and find him. He's really right next to you. He's as close as a word on your tongue. Second thing that Job knew is that the Savior is coming to this earth. At the end of all things, and the implication is, though it's not stated clearly in the text, the implication is he will set up his unending kingdom. Job puts it this way in verse 25, that in the end he will stand on the earth. Now as simple as that statement is, there's an awful lot going on in it. So we're going to look at that a little bit more closely. First, Job knows that all things are going to, not going to go on forever as they are now. He he knew that the end was coming. Indeed, People everywhere throughout time, throughout the world, have a sense of the coming end of all things. You find it in the canons of all other religions. You, you find it in the thoughts and writings of the secular world, mostly seen in the angst of the futility of experience. And if you look, if you really look, you'll find it lurking in the depths of your own heart you know there has to be an end. And Christians know that end comes when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. But Job also knows that when that time comes, the Savior will come and he will remain here on this earth. So he's not going to leave again. And so we know, since he's not going to leave again, he's going to set up his never-ending kingdom. He's going to make all things right. So if you know your Bible, you know that uh, in the very beginning, in the garden, he used to walk with our first parents before they fell into sin. And then that ceased. That stopped. I believe Job knew that and understood that too. And then, of course, we know that he came to us as that baby born in the manger only to die and be buried and raised again from the dead. And we know that he's now with the Father in heaven. And how much of that, Job knew, we can't really say. But without a doubt, Job knew, as we knew, that when he comes back, he will never leave and he will set up his never-ending kingdom here on this earth. Job knew the Savior was coming and would remain, and that we as Christians also proclaim to all who will have the ears to hear. Now, Job also knew something else about this coming. He knew that the Savior had a body. And we could miss that if we're not careful. But he says the Savior will stand upon the earth. You see, if he was thinking of a mere spirit, Job would have said the Savior would be upon the earth. But his Savior would stand here. He knew that he would have a physical body. And so Job knew that the Savior would come in a physical body at the end of all things, never to leave again, and he would set up his never-ending kingdom. And he knew that this Savior was eternal, and he knew it just as we who know Christ today know that. The third thing that Job knew about his Savior was that he was God. So at the end of verse 26, we read, Yet in my flesh I will see God. Now we have to follow what's happening here. Job is talking about a Savior standing on the earth, and when he looks at him, he'll see God. He knew his Savior was God. And, of course, in in a sense, uh, Job has been telling us that all along. I mean, we've already noted that Job told us that the Savior is eternal. That's certainly not a reference to a mere man. And he can save, again, something that no mere man could do. And Job was not looking for any merely human help. He was looking for what God could and would do for him. And that's clear throughout the book as you read that book of Job, and yet God, at the end of all things, will stand on the earth, and he will have a body. And that sounds just like what we Christians profess, doesn't it? That Jesus was both God and man. Job may not have known how all that would come about, but he did know it, and he believed it with all of his heart thousands of years before Jesus, Job believed that truth. He knew his Savior was or would be God in the flesh. He knew he was eternal and that in the end he would come bodily to this earth and set up his unending kingdom. And that is a testimony of the church throughout its existence. The fourth thing that Job knew was that his Savior would resurrect Job. Job says this in verses 26 and 27, After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. Job knew his Savior would resurrect him. You know, when he says, after my skin has been destroyed, Job is really referring to death, but not just death. He's referring to the utter corruption of the body or the decomposition of the body. The blunt way of saying it is after my body has rotted in the grave. All that would be left would be bones if they were still remained. And that's what Job is talking about here. But even after that, he knows he will be resurrected. So he will see the Savior in his own body. And that's what he means. In my flesh, I will see God. Job isn't saying he's going to exist in some disembodied spiritual state. He's telling us in his body he will see God, the body that had died and decayed. That's resurrection that we're talking about, my friends. And there has only ever been one so far, and that's the resurrection of Christ. But in the resurrection of Christ lies the promise to all who follow you know, there have been many reanimations before. People brought back to life by Jesus and the other people in the Bible. Now, those people were reanimated. the bodies hadn't yet decayed, and they all died again. This that Job is talking about is resurrection. And when it comes, it will be for all people everywhere and throughout time who have put their faith in the living God, whether the body has decayed or not, or whether they're even died, yet or not, when Christ returns, they will be raised or changed, never to die again. I want you to listen to how explicit Job is when he says this. He he stresses this resurrection of the body. I, in my flesh, I will see God. I myself, with my own eyes. I, and not another. This is not reincarnation, coming back as some other creature, human or otherwise, and this isn't the circle of life thinking that we die and become part of some other living creature. This is an absorption into the cosmic all, which is the goal of some religions where the individual no longer exists anymore. This is resurrection. The person, the individual who has put their faith in God being raised from the dead and being so changed that they will never die again. Job understood that and he believed that. Just as Christians down through the ages have said that and believed that. Job knew his Savior would resurrect him and his Savior would be God in the flesh. He knew the Redeemer. Was eternal, and in the end, he would come bodily uh, back to this earth and set up his unending kingdom. And so, we Christians proclaim to everyone who will listen to us there is a day coming when the dead will be raised, and those who know God will enter his kingdom, and those who don't will be left in the dark, for that's the other side of this truth. Only those who believe this truth. Only those who put their faith in Christ will be resurrected to life. And finally, the fifth thing that Job knew that we Christians know and believe is that he himself, Job, knew that he needed a Savior. And Savior, of course, was a Redeemer, remember? Someone who paid a price to save. This is what Christ did when he went to that cross. When he died, he took our sins, and he paid for them. Yes. And you might be thinking, but of course we've been talking about that all along, haven't we? And yet it we're stating for several reasons. First, I have to tell you that I'm afraid so many people in our day miss the meaning. I mean, even the word Savior has become so much of a religious word that some people think in their mind only of uh, talking about this person Jesus who lived a long time ago they may fail to see the Savior saves and what he saves from is death and yes that does mean physical death we talked about the resurrection after all but it, it also means even more he saves from spiritual death which is so much more awful than physical death spiritual death means being separated forever from everything that could even be called good spiritual death comes from our sin and he saves us from our sin now our culture is lost on oh, that sense of sin but we might be able to get some idea of, of what God thinks about sin if we remember if you right now just think about the worst thing that anyone or someone has done to you Or maybe some evil thing that someone has done to another person that you love. You think about that. That badness, that evil, that's what sin is. And we don't like it when it comes up close and when it affects us or our loved ones in that way. What we fail to see is that so much of what we do falls into that same category. We just don't recognize it. We have, you might say, built up a kind of tolerance for it. So much so that most people today, if they think of sin at all, they think of it either as what Christians think about sex outside of marriage or what really bad people like Hitler and Stalin have done, but certainly not what normal people like themselves do. And yet the Bible teaches this, that all everyone who has ever lived except Jesus, everyone in this room, you and me, each and every one of us, we have all sinned. We have done things that hurt others. Separate us from God, and therefore separate us from every good thing that there is or will separate us from it. Whether we see it or not, or feel it or not, or believe it or not, that's what God says about each and every one of us. And it's what Jesus came to do to save us from that sin to save you and me. The second reason it bears stating is because the person here who acknowledged his need for a Savior is Job. And he was as righteous a man who has ever lived, except for Jesus Christ. I don't mean to insult anyone here, but I think it's uh, I can say this uh, safely without any danger of contradiction, that Job was more righteous than any person in this room. And yes, that does include me. And it includes the best people you have ever known in your life. God himself in this book says Job was the most righteous man in the very beginning of the book when he says this have you considered my servant Job there is no one on earth like him he is blameless and upright a man who fears God and shuns evil and Job himself vigorously defends himself from false accusation by his friends but in spite of all of that in spite of it all Job knew that he needed a savior and he calls him my redeemer Job understood what so many in our day don't, that even the best, the best of the best, the good people of this world, that goodness is not enough. Even the good people of our world need to be saved. And finally, it bears mentioning that Job knew he needed a Savior because he understood what we Christians know and believe, and that is that there is nothing you can do to save yourself. There's nothing you can do. We need a Savior, someone else to do it for us. It's not Job's righteousness, nor yours, nor mine. None of it is enough. Baptism isn't enough. That can't save you. Church membership can't save you. Attendance at church can't save you. Trying to do good is not enough. Simply stated, we need a Savior. And Job knew that. Job knew that he could not save himself. He knew he needed an eternal Savior. He knew that Savior would be God in the flesh who would one day, at the end of all things, stand upon this earth and set up his never-ending kingdom and who would resurrect Job bodily from the grave. So how about you? Do you see your need for a Savior? So I can tell you on the authority of the Bible that if you're sitting here today if you are feeling that at all in your heart that maybe you need a savior it's because God is at work in your heart and life and if he's tugging at your heart I I implore you don't ignore it see you you can harden yourself so that you no longer can even hear his voice as he's calling Job knew all of that. He knew he needed it, and he stated what we Christians have believed down through the centuries. There's one more thing I'd like to say about this passage before we come to a close, and that is, is, um, I want us to see how Job felt about the Savior and all that he would do for him. And we find that at the very end of verse 27. Job says this, How my heart, yearns within. Job longed for the day when his Savior would come. You you might say it was the heartbeat of his life. And when we Christians hear those words, I think our heart echoes the same thing. Yes, how we long for our Savior. You know, the Bible says that God has placed eternity in our heart's And what that means is deep down, we all have a longing for God and what God alone can give to us. One man described it by saying, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. And another expressed it by saying, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that only God can fill. And you can try, and many do try, to fill it with all sorts of other things, but in the end, You will fail and you will be empty because only God can reside there in that place. Have you not noticed that nothing on this earth really satisfies the thing that you wanted most? When you get it, though it may be really wonderful, it isn't enough. You know, all good gifts come from God, but they cannot finally satisfy because we were made for him. And the one who gives us those good things, even sin, finds the pleasure that it may bring uh, because of the goodness that God has put in this world. It's a corruption of the good that God has given people, but it can't stand on its own. But understand this. If good gifts, enjoyed in the right way, cannot give lasting satisfaction, how much less will sin which corrupts every good thing? Job longed for God. He knew he was incomplete without him. How about you? Is that what you've been looking for all your life? Are you now maybe for the first time beginning to see it? Is he even now speaking to you? Here is the testimony of millions who have put their trust in God, who have found in him the answer to all of life's needs and desires. Not that we have arrived, not that we're yet perfect, but we know. We know. Our Redeemer lives. And in the end, He will stand on this earth. And even though we may have died and our bodies have rotted in the grave, we know that we will rise again, each individual as himself or herself, and we will see God with our own eyes. How our hearts you're here today and your heart is yearning, beginning to, and if you feel that tugging on your heart, and you haven't yet put your faith in Christ, and you hear me say those words, and you don't even know for sure what that means. If that's the case, then you haven't put your faith in Christ yet. If you're here today, don't leave without coming to the Savior. Come and see me right after service. Go and talk to someone you know who's a Christian who's walked with Christ all of their lives. We won't tell you what we think. We'll take this book and we'll open it up. We'll show you what God says about you. You're here in this book. And he has a word for you. And if you listen, if you come, If you accept, you will live forever and stand on this earth at the end of time with a Redeemer who loved you and paid the price for you. You will stand in your own body and you will see Him with your own eyes, that Savior who is eternal, who when He comes again, will never leave and set up his unending kingdom. That is my prayer and my wish, my heart's desire for everyone of you here today. Come while you still can. Would you pray with me? Thank you that our Savior lives. Thank you that though He went to that cross and tasted death for every person, though He was laid in that tomb and His body became the temperature of the rock that He was laid on, three days later He rose again. And for 40 days He appeared to His people. And then turn to you Father for he now serves at your right hand living to intercede for us and waiting for that day that for or during day day when he will come back and gather his people to himself to you be all glory and honor and praise in Jesus name